0: Thank you. Good evening. It's really, really good to be with you. I've been looking forward to to being here this evening. It's always a little strange coming to Aldridge for me, having gone to school just around the corner here, but I am glad to be with you. And I'm talking about a passion for the kingdom. We just heard from Matthew 6. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount, which starts in Matthew 5, runs through chapter 7 as well. And it's like a manifesto. We've got uh, You can't have escaped it on the news. We've got all of the political parties pushing their manifestos and trying to explain to us their, their promises and their pledges. And in a sense, what they're trying to do is paint a picture for, for us of what will life be like with that party in charge or with this party in charge. And if you like what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount, he's painting a picture through his teaching for us of what will life be like with Jesus in charge? What will life be like with Jesus as king? But of course, Jesus himself embodies that kingdom. He, he gives us his manifesto, but he also manifests the kingdom in his own life. He shows us, us what it's like by the way he lives in himself. So I wanna say right at the start that we can't separate passion for the kingdom from passion for the king himself. And I know you've already looked in a previous week at a passion for God. We need to hold both of those things together. So in Matthew six, as we just heard, Jesus tells us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Or we might put that, put that another way, be passionate about the kingdom. I saw a photo of a sign uh, in the grounds of a beautiful park somewhere in London, not in London, in Europe somewhere. uh, And this sign was written in three languages. Uh, In German, this sign says, picking flowers is prohibited. In English, it says, please don't pick the flowers. And in French, it says, those who love the flowers will not pick them. And I think that sign can give us an indication about the difference it makes, uh, that passion makes when it comes to seeking the kingdom. We might pursue the kingdom some of the time out of fear, essentially. Fear of getting on the wrong side of God. We don't want to get on God's wrong side. Picking flowers is prohibited, so we better not do that. We better do things another way. Or perhaps some of the time we might pursue the kingdom of God, the things of God, to somehow try and gain God's approval by doing what he wants to please him. Please don't pick the flowers. Or we might pursue, and this is the ideal option, by the way, we might pursue the kingdom out of love for the king himself, with a passion that flows out of a love for him. Those who love the flowers will not pick them. And of course, that's the option that will enable us to live wholeheartedly for God and for his kingdom. Serving out of fear or duty or to earn approval, will only get us so far, and it will cause all sorts of other complications on the way. Actually, it's, it's passion that will drive us forward. And uh, if we, we look at the stories of, of the good and the great, we see it's the passionate people who change the world. So if we dive a, a, dip, a bit deeper into Matthew 6, we get an idea of, of why that might be. And then we'll look uh, in a moment at how we can cultivate a passion for the kingdom in our own lives. So let's notice first that Jesus doesn't just say, seek first the kingdom. He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. Passion for the kingdom gives us a bigger perspective on life, and it puts all of our other concerns into their proper place. So then we are free to really live for God and go for it with God. The words of Jesus uh, that we heard read to us, they're so relevant to us, especially in exam season for for some of you. So many people uh, in our our society are struggling with anxiety and worry and just weighed down by the pressures of life. How are you going to eat? What are you going to wear? What resources are you going to have down the line? What job are you heading towards? Will I get the grades I need in my exams? These are the kinds of worries and pressures that we live with. When we, uh, and when we rely on ourselves, we feel those pressures all too keenly. Most people don't want to worry. I don't meet many people who say to me, I just, I love the feeling of being anxious. I don't meet many people like that. But actually, as soon as we start to trust in ourselves, anxiety and worry begin to creep in. And so three times in those verses that were read, Jesus tells us, don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, I want you to desire things and to seek things and to chase after things. I just don't want you to chase after the things you're chasing right now. You're spending your time and your energy chasing after food and clothes and drink and careers and whatever else. Your father will provide the things that you need for you. What I want you to chase after is the kingdom. Those things are God's responsibility. Your responsibility is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when that's your passion, all this other stuff will be added to you as well. And we can do that knowing that if God feeds the birds of the air, he's good enough to feed us. That if he, if he clothes the flowers in the field, that he'll make sure we're clothed and we've got the things we need. Because Jesus reminds us God knows what we need, perhaps far better than we know ourselves. So passion for the kingdom gives us this bigger perspective bigger perspective on life and when we've got that bigger perspective all of our concerns and our worries and the pressures are put in their proper place and that makes that frees us up then to live for god and to really go for it with him so that's it then simple as long as we're passionate about the kingdom of god we're sorted The problem with saying that is you can't just decide, I don't think, to be passionate or to be more passionate. We can't just conjure passion from nowhere. Just wanting it more and trying harder and just telling ourselves not to worry isn't likely to get us very far. But thankfully, I think there are things that we can do to cultivate a passion for the kingdom. You see, the bit that we heard read for us, do not worry, seek first the kingdom of God, uh, starts verse 25, where Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. And that word therefore indicates that that not worrying and seeking first the kingdom flows out of the bit just before the bit we heard, verses 19 to 24. Uh, And I'm actually going to touch on those verses for us uh, now. I'll, I'll quote the relevant bits as we go through. But as we look at those verses, I believe there are three things that we can do to cultivate a passion for the kingdom. But first, let me say this. What we do has huge power to shape what we desire. What we do has huge power to shape the things that we're passionate about. Now, we generally think of that the other way around, and sometimes that's the case. We, we, some, we often tend to think that our desires, the things that we desire, shape the things we do. We desire something, so we do it. And, and sometimes that's right. But often the reality is we, we find ourselves doing things a certain way, and then we need to justify it, so we, we say that that's, uh, that's right. Let me give you an example. Uh, Christmas is a great time for family traditions. Now, uh, I'm, uh, I'm Matthew Hurd, uh, so I'm from the Hurd clan, and uh, my wife, Jess, is from the Pedley clan. And uh, when it comes to Christmas, we do things very differently. Uh, so the pedleys, they, uh, they don't open any presents until the very end of the day. They're very disciplined, uh, and some might say boring. Um, but um, they, uh, they save all their presents right until the end of the day. And, and, and in the herd clan, we, we get up and we rip out open our presents, and we can't think of a better way to start the celebration of the great gift by uh, tearing open the, the gifts that we've got for one another. But the problem is, when you put those two clans together... How do you do Christmas Day? Do you, you can't have half the room opening their presents first thing in the morning and the other half of the room sitting there waiting for the end of the day. It doesn't work. So we've come up with this compromise where we open a present at the start and we save the rest for after dinner. Dinner's another thing. Uh, my, uh, my mom, I will never forget her face when she realised that there really was no turkey coming out of the oven the first time we had a joint Christmas dinner. Uh, it was a roast lamb, which all the Pedleys have ever done uh, for their Christmas lunches. Uh, and my mom just couldn't believe it. And so what happens now is when we, when we merge as two families, if my, my parents have been with us Christmas Day and we've had roast lamb, uh, we have to book another day somewhere over the holiday so we can have a turkey dinner and they can tick the box and they've done Christmas properly. But, but the point I want to make is this. We want things to be a certain way because we have done them in a certain way in the past. The things that we have done up to that point in our lives, as the herds and as the pedleys, have shaped our desire for what a good Christmas looks like. It's shaped our desire for what we want to see happen on that day. Now Christmas is one thing, but we see this happening in all kinds of areas of society. We live in a a society where we consume things and then we throw them away at, at an alarming rate. So uh, this afternoon, my biro ran out. It did not occur to me for one second to try and get a replacement kind of ink thing and shove it inside. I just chucked it in the bin and grabbed the next one from the back of my desk. Now, that's fine when it's biros maybe, but actually doing that consistently as a culture shapes all sorts of other things. It shapes the way we think and the way we desire, and it creeps then into relationships and friendships and even marriages. And they become disposable too. We live in a culture that uh, wants everything straight away. I don't know about you, but I'm one of the the least patient people uh, I know. I put something in the microwave yesterday for two minutes. I nipped to the loo. I came back. And I was really frustrated because there were still 10 seconds left uh, on the counter. It's the same when the internet doesn't load up properly. And you get that dreaded little thing that just goes round and round in the middle of the screen. That winds me up uh, like it shouldn't. But actually, it's one thing waiting for the internet to load up or the microwave to finish, but that then also shapes how we view growing in our faith, how we, how we grow as Christians, how we grow in prayer. And we want that to happen instantly as well. And when it doesn't, we get frustrated and we're tempted to give up. What we do affects our desires and our passion. So with that in mind, let me, let me pick up these three things from what Jesus says in those verses, firstly, he talks about our treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So one way to increase your passion for something is to spend money on it, to invest in it. Now, I've, uh, I've never bought shares in my life, but I found myself talking last week with someone who's just done that for the very first time. They've bought shares in a company, company that makes um, pipe work. Now, he... This guy I was talking to, um, he's not interested at all in that, but um, I found myself listening to him talking about all the different bores of pipes, and the different connectors that they are, and the new range that the company's just about to come out with, and then he started telling me about their competitors, and how well they're doing, and, and... and all of this detailed information about their budgets and all sorts. I like, I said to him, what are you on about? You're talking, you realize you're talking about pipes. Forgive me if there's someone whose job it is to make pipes in the room. But I was like, what are you talking about? You don't care about this stuff. But, but actually he does. He's got money resting in it. He's invested in it. And so he cares uh, about what's going on. Let me give a different example. A few years ago, Jess and I, we decided to sponsor a child through uh, Compassion. And uh, we, we did it because we, we thought it was a good thing to do and we, we had the resources at that, that point, point to do it. Um, but let me be honest with you, it was only really when I started to see the money go out of the account each month that I really started paying more attention. I started to become more interested in this child that we'd, we'd suddenly taken on a responsibility for and to begin to pray more deeply for them and to find out about where they lived and what's going on in their part of the world. If we invest in the kingdom of heaven, then our passion will grow for the kingdom. And so the purpose of of giving, and I know that there's there's an offering coming up later on this evening, the purpose of giving isn't primarily fundraising for the life of the church. It's a way of putting our treasure into the things of God and therefore increasing our passion for the kingdom of God. So our treasure. The second thing Jesus talks about is our eyes. He says the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. In other words, use what you look at carefully. What you give your attention to makes a huge difference to what you care about. So uh, a little while ago, a friend of mine uh, persuaded me to watch The West Wing. Has anyone watched The West Wing? Nobody. Oh, it's great. I'm, I'm going to become an evangelist for it. It's great. It's really good. It's about the West Wing of the White House. It's about the life of, of the White House and the president and his, uh, his close staff. Now, I wasn't particularly interested in this at all, but my friend persuaded me to watch it on the basis of really good characters, really good dialogue, and just really clever, um, uh, clever writing. Uh, so even though I wasn't interested in the politics, I, I decided to give it a go, and I got hooked. But do you know what's happened since I've watched the first series? I found myself becoming interested in how the American political system works, and I've started reading around and finding out more about how does the White House work and the Senate and all these different things. Similarly, I was introduced to a, a group called Pentatonix. They're a, an a cappella um, singing group, and uh, I really kind of I really like my music. And so I, I listened to them, and I was just intrigued by the sounds they were able to make without any instruments. And I was particularly intrigued by the guy doing all of the drumming um, for them, just just beatboxing. And again, as a result of listening to the music and just enjoying it, I found myself a few months ago watching some YouTube um, tutorials on how to beatbox. And uh, they've got a guy who can sing two notes at the same time, so I was Googling, how do I, how do, I do that? But actually, the things I was giving my attention to started to shape my desire, and my passion. I became interested in those things in a new way. So what do you look at in a typical week? This might not be a good week to ask some of you because it might just be exam revision notes and more exam revision notes. But actually, what do you look at in a typical week? If you're lucky, eight hours or so a day looking at the back of your own eyelids. Uh, Maybe you're looking uh, at the roads and the traffic as you commute uh, here and there. People at work and people at school. For a lot of us, we spend a lot of time, as uh, Sue mentioned, on our screens, our phones, our tablets, our televisions, our computers. Now, I don't want to say that that TV is bad or or that the internet is bad uh, at all. I enjoy watching TV. I spend quite a lot of time uh, using the internet. But I do want to suggest that we should be deliberate in the way we use those things, to choose what we use them for. And to feed our eyes with healthy stuff that is fueling a passion for God and the things of his kingdom. If you're in a small group or a youth group or a, you've got prayer partners or a mentor or whatever you call those sorts of people. And this would be a great conversation to have with them at some stage. About the things that we give our attention to and how that is feeding a passion for God or, or not. Jesus encourages us to look. Look at the birds of the air. See how your father looks after them. And aren't you much more valuable than they are? Look at the world around us and see what God is doing each and every day. I love to watch people's stories and to find uh, people's testimony about how God has transformed their lives. I find that I'm inspired in a new way by tapping into other people's stories. Let's be careful with what we give our attention to. So our treasure, our eyes, lastly and briefly, our service. The focus of our service, who we serve and how we serve, dramatically affects our desires. Where does our effort go? Now please don't sit there thinking I'm about to tell you you need to somehow find more time to get more involved in the life of the gathered church when we're together like this. I'm not saying that uh, at all. Sometimes it's true that we, we work too hard and we need to cut back. Uh, sometimes it's true that we do need to look for new ways to serve in the life of the gathered church. But the reality is you can, you can work all of your time in your office or in your school doing revision and exams uh, and be serving the kingdom of God as you do those things. Equally, you can spend every waking hour serving the, the, the church and its buildings and its events and not actually be serving the kingdom of God, perhaps serving uh, pride or, or, or other things. So I'm not talking now about where you're located or about the specifics of what you're doing. I'm talking about who you are serving in the things that you're doing. Where is your heart when you're putting effort into the things that you're up to? Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money is the example here. But I believe that's equally true of lots of things. You cannot serve both God and power and sex and family. And career. How are we serving God in the things that we're doing? So, three things that we can do to cultivate a passion for the kingdom. Thankfully, it's not just about wanting it more from somewhere to find a passion. There are things we can do, steps we can take to cultivate a desire for the kingdom with our treasure, what we invest in with our eyes, the things we give our attention to and the ways we're serving God in all that we're involved in. But just as I finish, let me notice this once again, that Jesus didn't just tell us to do these things. He he did them himself. He shows us what this looks like. He's the one who lays aside his heavenly treasure in order to come to earth. And he invests himself, his treasure in us, in you and in me in the project of restoring all things back to God in his kingdom. Jesus' eyes, Jesus' attention. Right now, Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and he's praying for us. We have his attention. And of course, he serves. He came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He comes as the one who gives and looks and lays down himself, For each one of us. And so I wonder as we finish whether we might just want to take a moment to be still and to close our eyes. And you might just want to ask God in a moment of quiet whether there's one of those three things where He'd like you to, to do some work in the coming week with your treasure with your eyes, what you give your attention to. Or with the attitude with which you serve God in all that you're involved in. So Father, we thank you that uh, it's never just up to us, that you by your spirit are at work in us. And so we invite you now to come and minister to us by your spirit. And where we perhaps need to look at the way we invest our treasure, give our attention or serve you? Would you empower us to make those uh, those choices and those changes in the week ahead? But Father, above all, would you rekindle in us this evening uh, a passion for the King himself, a desire to live for him because of his uh, example and all that he has done for us? we ask it in his name. Amen.